Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert Don Pizzette. DevOps engineer Justin Dennison. Security specialist Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host Peter Van Rysdam. We've got the whole crew here today. Uh, Don Pizzette there above me. Don, how you doing? I am doing great. A lot of really cool news this week, so I'm looking forward to today's episode. Yeah, I noticed we, like, we all put in the same stories because we were all excited <laughs> about the same stuff, so we'll be getting to a bunch of good stuff. And then we've got uh, Daniel up there laughing. Daniel, how's, how's it going over there? Hey. Nice. Good job pointing the right way. And uh, Justin Dennison, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Nice and nice and cool over there in that in that room today. Uh, yeah, today we'll see though. I, I tell you, I've already, I've already, I've already sweated through this shirt once. I got in my car today to come to the studio, and I, I had it not in the garage. And when I turned it on, the temperature said 115. That's hot. That's yeah. balmy. Yeah. <laughs> I still came in. So. Uh, you're like, man, that's coat weather. It's dedication. This is the time to be in the Pacific Northwest, and I believe that's where our guest is right now. Uh, Dr. James Stanger said we're wrapping up uh, CompTIA month, and so we said let's get the chief technology evangelist. How you doing, James? Doing great, man. Doing great. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's about 70 degrees here, so sorry, guys. I hate you so that much. Is, uh, <laughs> and and it's. Uh, I'm just looking out here, uh, and hardly a cloud in the sky, which for us is really unusual. Oh, it sounds like a sunburn waiting to happen. I'm good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it was like 90 degrees, 89 degrees, I think, yesterday, and, and people were freaking out. They thought, you know, lawns were going to spontaneously Mm-hmm. catch on fire that the earth had you know lost its orbit was hurtling towards the sun well what's fascinating to me there is not everybody has central air because uh, i don't that. So, yeah 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 that's amazing uh, yeah imagine a world I, like that I, 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 they ain't enough deodorant for me <laughs> to live somewhere they central air it gets up to 91 day a year there so i think you'd be okay uh, no here's the thing peter my house uh, you can hang meat in my house and i still sweat <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm that way. Yeah, I'm very I'm, much that way. Yeah. So it, if it eclipsed 75 and I didn't have such a I'd just be sitting there stewing That's a la Al Bundy like, going, it's so hot. That's why Justin had to move to move further south. Yeah. That's smart. <laughs> Listen, I also hate snow, so there's that. <laughs> His life is a series of bad decisions. Yeah, he, yeah. he hates I, extremes, apparently. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into our first uh, segment here and get to know a little bit more about Dr. Stanger. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, James, you have five minutes. It's going to take 45 seconds to a minute to answer each question. If you go over that time, you know, just keep things moving along. Peter's going to budge you, and we're going to go to the next question. Peter's going to take the first one. Yeah, so uh, we we looked back, and it was about a year. I think it was June 2019 where we had you on last time. So I'm just curious what, what you've been up to since that time. You know, since June, a lot of travel and then suddenly not in, in uh, March. Who knew? Uh, so uh, over the last year, it's been a lot of fun stuff. Uh, first of all, we've been taking a look at, uh, you know, what online testing means. And so we've got online testing happening at CompTIA, and that's been great. Uh, other things that have been happening as far as uh, we've been taking a look at, uh, what you know, uh, updating uh, Security Plus and uh, done a lot of work on that. Uh, we've also been looking at, uh, you know, what kind of content uh uh, uh, should we be creating? So we've been uh, updating a lot of our content there. Uh, you know, over the uh, RSA was an interesting uh, uh, thing to be attending in March. Uh, for example, it was about the last thing that I did, other than come over to your place and shoot some uh, videos. But uh, so it's been a lot of video creation, a lot of going uh, uh, to uh, international things. I think uh, since I last saw you, I was in the UK a couple of times. Uh, spoke at. Uh, um, let's see, what would that be? InfoSec and also something called SITS UK. Uh, that's a service desk show, help desk people. Um, and uh, golly, I think uh, since last time we talked, I think I'd been in, I've been in South Africa, I think India. So it's, it's been a very busy year. All right. So, so you've kind of alluded to some of the things maybe that have changed, but, you know, with, yeah. with COVID-19 kind of causing disruption and people maybe are losing their jobs, looking to change yeah. now as a transition. What things has CompTIA changed to maybe better serve those individuals? You know, one of the things, first of all, we did go to online testing. That's one of the first things that really uh, was, was good to help uh, support people who are uh, quarantined in one way or other, you know, worldwide. Uh, another thing that I think has been interesting, uh, you know, uh, with, with COVID is we've been taking a look at the employment uh, situation very carefully. 
um, we've seen, yeah, there, there have been people, IT people who have lost jobs uh, because the company that they worked for um, you know, went under because they were in a position, the company for whatever reason was not in a position to work remotely. So that did happen. But we're also seeing um, there's still a lot of job, uh, uh, a lot of job requests out there for uh, qualified IT people. So um, I'll use the word resilient. I won't say recession proof or COVID proof because nothing really is. But um, there's a certain amount of resilience that the IT prof uh, profession has, has seen in the sense that uh, people still need IT people, in fact, more than ever before. Now, James, I'm curious, uh, you've been out here to the studios a few times, but yeah. as an evangelist, we normally run into you at conferences and other events right. all over the country. I know you travel all over the world extensively in what you do. So with all of that sidetracked, how, how are you adapting what you do to, to reach out and evangelize IT? I don't get sleep much. Uh, let's see. Uh, for example, uh, last Friday at 1130 my time, I gave a webinar in India. But that was easy because I was only done at 1230 or 1 o'clock. Uh, in the previous weeks, uh, given webinars to Australia, uh, Africa, uh, also uh, India again, where uh, so I'm, I'm up all hours, you know, 230 to 430 in the morning, uh, sometimes at normal hours like uh, 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, and sometimes even, you know, during regular uh, work hours. So a whole lot of uh, connectivity. I've gotten to know Zoom real well. I've gotten to know uh, all of the uh, platforms you can think of. So. Now, James, uh, here recently, we've seen a real push from CompTIA to update and create more security-based certifications. A lot of good stuff going on there. Uh, CISA Plus, Pentest Plus, and you know, as you said, you got Security Plus coming out with new objectives. Uh, that being said, what do you see coming next from CompTIA? Is it, you think it's going to continue to push in that security sphere? Or are we going to see it from yeah. somewhere else? Yeah, the security space is interesting to us. Um, uh, obviously, we've got the uh, update to Security Plus happening. We just uh, uh, updated uh, CISA, CYSA Plus, um, and uh, Pentest Plus is coming up. We've got a, a huge uh, area of a huge a number of certs, I should say, uh, that we're updating in addition to that. So it's our... I think, uh, I can't remember how many products it is. It's about four or five products that will be, uh, when I say products, certs, that will be updated over the next uh, year or so. So pretty impressive. As far as uh, new products in the, the, the security space, it's something we're looking uh, uh, very intently at. Uh, 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 it's, it's a question of, you know, what best serves the industry. So we're asking people uh, in the industry, you know, what are some, uh, some areas that are particularly uh, interesting and, and keen, uh, you know, and, and I can't promise you anything, can't really even discuss any details, but, you know, there are things, the questions that I often come up, uh, will ask, or uh, the things that often come up with security pros, there are a lot of security pros out there that don't know um, a lot of programming very well. Let's just put it that way, you know, uh, and if you're a security worker who needs to be an auditor, right, uh, and, and you need to audit, you know, code or whatever, how is that done? Right, because an application really can't do that for you. So if you've been asked to uh, review a bunch of Python code or something like that, how well uh, do you need to know that? Um, I'm not saying we're going to go into that at CompTIA at all. That's not my bailiwick. But I do see um, the need, if you're going to do pen testing and things, uh, and if you're going to do even security analytics, you know, understanding, um, you know, getting deep into code is something that could be interesting as far as a career path is concerned. There's, there's that. Um, management. You know, well, what does it mean um, in terms of security management is another topic, too. So, James, I just want to ask real quick. I know the last time we spoke, you uh, your office looked like a, a tornado had just run through. Uh, did you just turn the camera around now? Is it facing the, it's other, still, the wall? Uh, it still does here. Uh, yeah, you've got uh, what you've got here oh, is a, uh, a, a sheet that I've laid down here, right? And the chaos uh, still lies there. behind. Okay. There's the Shriachi bottle. There's the evil black like 2001. I feel like uh, it's you know, just a green screen behind that sheet. Which one is fake? This is a whole Oz kind of situation. Right. Don't look behind the curtain. So. Ignore that man behind the curtain. But, uh, you know, we. I think we should talk about virtual backgrounds. You know, I mean, this, <laughs> this is me in Scotland here and uh, uh this is me with me kayaking uh, in the Puget Sound. Uh, it's like an Inception uh, kind of thing going on. Uh, for those of you Zeppelin fans, you, you'll have to tell us who, who uh, what album this is. So there you go. All right, enough of that. Yeah, for those just listening, it's Giant's Causeway uh, as the background there in Ireland. So um, That's right, Northern Ireland. It's your, Northern yeah, Ireland. in Northern Ireland, depending on who you ask. So, uh, <laughs> your... I mean, it could be Southern Ireland if go. you were asking. <laughs> this might be the most controversial episode yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I've, I've been in the IRA this whole time. I just haven't told you guys. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's talk about um, who got pwned this week because we, uh, I mentioned before, we had a situation where we all kind of send in the same stories and we were all sending in stories uh, about this topic. So let's go ahead and talk about who got pwned. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! All right, so the article that we are using for this one uh, is from Slashdot. Many new details emerge about Twitter's breach. And just to uh, to bring you guys up to speed, for those that aren't aware, basically um, it was a, a handful of people, but the very, very high-profile people um, were hacked, including... Um, uh, President, President Barack Obama. Uh, yeah, uh, Barack Obama and uh, candidate Joe Biden, uh, as well as a few others. But uh, how, Don, are... are um, uh, accounts like this able to be hacked that easily. All right. So this one is certainly a big deal, especially because of the high profileness of this, right? That it was just huge accounts, uh, a former president, a current candidate. You know, we talk about election tampering and all these different things that are going on. So to see a social media platform like that get compromised is really a big deal. The other thing is, I know I've been guilty of this over the years, where I've said, man, companies like Facebook and Twitter, where they have hundreds of millions of dollars invested in their IT infrastructure, they likely have the best security that we can can offer today, right? I can't imagine somebody having better security than PayPal or, you know, somebody like that. So to hear an organization gets breached, an organization that is fully funded, has all the resources in the world, that always makes me nervous. Because then I think as a, as a little guy, as a small or medium business, how are you supposed to live up to that standard when even the big guys with hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars, can't do it? So in this case, it boils down to the same type of attack that we see week after week, which looks to be social engineering. A couple of Twitter employees had their account credentials compromised. It allowed attackers to be able to get, log in and gain access through VPNs and other connections to be able to use an internal Twitter tool that would let them reset account passwords and take over the accounts. They then began posting a BitTorrent scam that if you sent them $1,000 in, no, sorry, I said BitTorrent, yeah, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. If you send them $1,000 in Bitcoin, they will send you $2,000 back, which sounds like a great business opportunity to me. Uh, many people did take advantage of it. I should say advantage, right? Many people got bilked by it. Uh, but at the end of the day, this one came down to social engineering. When we talked with someone from uh, Thycotic recently, we were talking about uh, privileged access. I mean, is that the issue here, you think, that maybe too many people have access <laughs> to this tool that can, uh, you know, change any account? Not necessarily. I mean, you, your support people need to be able to provide support, right? So they, they need tools to be able to do things like reset passwords. But maybe what they shouldn't have had was you shouldn't be able to VPN in and access those tools. But you know, James mentioned we're all starting to work from home now. And so maybe this is a tool that wasn't available via VPN before and they say, open it up. I, yeah. The, the culture of a lot of Silicon Valley, and I'm, I'll lump Twitter in with that, is a culture that you're not working unless you're at work physically. Right. And, and that's changed, obviously. And I think, you know, the attack surface probably changed there. Do you know what I'm trying to say, guys? Uh, you know, I mean, AWS, for example, um, you know, they've only recently announced, hey, you know, through the end of the year, people can actually work at home, you know, like it's uh, working at home is a new concept. I've kind of got a chip on my shoulder about this because I've been working at home or on a plane for 20 years now. <laughs> and it's it's been doable for some time. And it's interesting to see that that a cultural issue. And I'm again, I'm I'm supposing here, I'm just positing that a cultural issue of, okay, now you have to work from home to get in there has changed the attack surface. And that could be, you know, even if it is, and even if I'm wrong, it's still an interesting idea that as a business condition changes, hey, everybody has to work from home due to quarantine, um, that it changes the attack surface. Now, the part that makes me really curious is compromising Twitter's network in this way and gaining access to these high-profile accounts, that's like the holy grail of a hack. Like, they really gained access to a ton of information, or, or at least had the potential to access a ton of information. So what strikes me as odd is that they threw it away so easily that I guess in the past they had specialized in uh, taking over and selling accounts that had a low character, a low number of characters in the name. So, like, one account they mentioned was uh, at and the number six or at and the letter W, that those are high value accounts that they can resell and make money on it. So the moment they did this widespread Bitcoin scam, 
it was immediately obvious that these accounts had been hacked. I mean, Bill Gates, his account was one that tweeted it out. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden, obviously, that was being watched very heavily. So immediately they lost that access. So it seems like it was thrown away. And that makes me think there's more to this story. Like the people that compromised the account likely would have given it more value. Well, what's interesting, too, is um, there's a link to a, a Mashable article in, in this story on Slashdot that mentions that uh, up to, I think, eight accounts um, had all of the uh, personal data downloaded from them. And that includes direct messages. So, you know, we'll probably be seeing soon on WikiLeaks, you know, who slid into Barack Obama's DMs. Uh, over the last few years, as the, all that stuff is well, they, they mentioned of those eight accounts that none of those were oh, verified wasn't those accounts. accounts? Okay. So it wouldn't have been the good ones. It would be accounts like yours and mine, which so it's probably know, just their friends no or, or their. <laughs> I was going to say, or, I was like, we can't delete those. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's um, funny that like everybody's like, it's crazy how they gained access. I'm still mulling over people who sent a thousand dollars hoping to get two thousand dollars. I, I agree with Justin on that one. Like, how do you not see Bill Gates go, man? If you send me a thousand dollars in bitcoin bill gates don't need nobody's thousand dollars in bitcoin in order to give you two thousand in bitcoin yeah if matter he of feels fact, like giving you bitcoin he could just do it yeah he could just give me money which, which speaks at least to the public nature of this right if we're to assume that this is the full extent of the attack in some ways it has hallmarks of a, an attack that's not particularly sophisticated if you know what i'm trying to say mm -hmm. right there's that the other thing though is you don't know what's going on beneath underneath the surface here on this attack. supposedly these were all fairly young individuals that were like doing this attack right did i misread that no, that's yeah it was coordinated and it was a bunch of young folks they they feel at least the, the story that we're seeing right that uh, they had been talking about it on forums online before yeah. the attack happened yeah, and I do like the transparency here too, because you're getting a lot of information. Um, Twitter's being pretty open about, you know, sharing. That's really smart. Stuff you know, out. it's a little bit different than some of the attacks we've seen in the past, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. Right. So hopefully we'll we'll be hearing more uh, in in the coming weeks. As well. So the one the one individual who interacted, to, I think he bought a one of the names. Like he was like, "Come arrest me! I dare you!" Like more or less. And I was like, "Whatever, player, I'm good." I'm good. <laughs> Yeah. You go ahead and get arrested. I'm going to stay out of this. You don't necessarily go to court right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we're going to take a detour. Where? It's off the coast of Florida. It's fine. We should yeah. get out of here a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the other thing that, that kind of comes up on this, though, is, is the idea of uh, what kind of tools did they use? Now, you know, Don, you were saying, obviously, it's a, it started via social engineering, which remains the number one, really, way that hackers are, seem to be getting in. Uh, I'm not saying it's the only way. It's the number one way. But it makes you wonder what particular, particular tool was used. And some people are saying it was a real powerful, new and unique one. Most of the time, uh, the specific tool, so so I let's say Don is Twitter. I, I hacked Don with a social engineering attack, and then I upload some form of malware. 90%, more than 90% of the time, it's just a variant of something very common. You know, like we're seeing, uh, uh, to change topics slightly, uh, Emotet or Emotet, whatever you want to call that, that old banking trope has been around forever, that old banking malware. Still going around. Variants, variants keep being used and it's it's new and hot again, you know, so it's interesting to see that. Yep. Does that mean I need to dust off my copy of Sub 7? Is that what it was? <laughs> you know, I, seriously, I don't think it would take much. I Because there's, I was talking to somebody, I think it was a Microsoft uh, person, saying that, that really when it comes right down to it, you have a lot of beleaguered network and IT professionals, right, who are one step ahead or one step behind their networks trying to figure out what's going on. And the hackers are about in the same place. And they just find a little, you know, it's kind of a game of inches here. You know, they just find a little bit of an advantage and then they get in and all heck breaks loose. Yeah, so now I, I protect my account through uh, some advanced tooling, which is by remaining inactive, then <laughs> people will know if a post appears on my Twitter feed that it's obviously not me. Uh, that's actually, there's something to be said for this, guys. There's something to be said for, uh, uh, you know, choosing wisely what your activities are. <laughs> I would Horrible like. I would like for Don to just post one random thing about you know Bitcoin, uh, you know just just to see if anybody says. Hey, you, Don, you know what? what I might post if you give me a thousand dollars, I'll teach you a valuable life lesson. <laughs> 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 Don't trust a too good deal. <laughs> good idea. Like Do you it. remember a few years back, Julian Assange tweeted out a uh, a hash string. And that was it. Or it might not have been Julian Assange. It might have been... Uh, Who was that? Uh, Don Spicer? <laughs> no, who's the one hiding in Russia? Oh, Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden. Uh, Snowden. 
And people are like, what is it? What does it mean? What what could it be? It must be a dead man's switch or something, or it's a, a key to another secret vault. And we never did find out. And I have believed that it was just him screwing around. Like, oh, I wonder what people will think. It's the recipe for great, great guacamole. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was having a few uh, a few vodkas with some of his new comrades right. and said, hey, watch this. I can I can put a headline on the New York Times in an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, He was right. Hey, James, I uh, want to ask you about just what's coming up with you. I, I know, um, obviously, you said, you know, travel's been changed for you and things like that. But uh, I think ChannelCon is coming up virtually, right? That's right. We got through August 4th and 6th is Channel Con. It's a digital event, so we'll be doing some cool stuff there. Also, and that's uh, so that's August 4th through 6th. So that's uh, help me out with my calendar. That's basically two weeks from now, right? Not I next week. I believe so. Yeah. But next week is the CompTIA Partner Summit, where CompTIA Partners in. So I'll be doing some stuff there as well. So it'll be a busy couple of weeks. And, and what's going on after that? I know you know more people are getting uh, comfortable doing the the uh, online uh, yeah. virtual kind of events. So do you have some of those going as well. I do indeed. I've got some, uh, let's see, IBM India just asked me to do a, uh, a presentation, so I'll be doing something uh, uh, with them. Uh, we've also got some things going on with some uh, uh, partners in Australia that we're looking to follow up on. I gave, uh, uh, we did a webinar here a couple of weeks ago and, and it went over well, so we're going to continue that. Uh, also, uh, there's some uh, additional uh, uh, conferences coming up in the fall. Let's see, uh, not the fall. What is it? I've got so many, it's hard for me to choose. I guess I should have actually been prepared, huh? Um, like, they're in my files behind this curtain, and I can't get to them. Uh, yeah, that's it. Hold on, let me go look real quick. I, I just uh, want to put it out there. If you need someone to carry your luggage to, like, Australia or whatever, um, you can yeah, just no give kidding. me I was planning, boy, that, it was going to be really cool this year because I was heading to various places, and all you know, all that is just way on hold for and obvious. Now you just get to wake up at 3 a.m. and call them. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. right. Just that's right. Fun. It's really just as yeah, on the on the 30th, I'm doing the uh, uh, the DISA uh, uh, J JSP Cybersecurity Forum, where I'm uh, talking about uh, I'll be talking about uh, cybersecurity and emerging technology. Um, uh, emerging technology is usually something that we well, in three to five years, artificial intelligence will be well, it's already here. We're using it, right? So how do we secure it? How do we use it in security? I'll be talking about that. Um, also, some stuff with uh, Nice Conference coming up. Uh, uh, let's see. But it's, it's been fun. I, uh, I recently, uh, what I worked with my computer career, they, they wanted somebody to do one of the keynotes. So that was really fun to uh, uh, talk to the new students, the new IT pros and welcome them to the profession. So there's always more of that sort of thing going on, too. And what's the best place to kind of keep up with what you're doing? Are you active on Twitter or uh, after this? I'm somewhat <laughs> I'm relatively uh, active on Twitter. So James Stanger, all one word, J-A-M-E-S. S-T-A-N-G-E-R, James Stanger uh, on Twitter. That's one way to get a hold of me. Uh, there's also, you can just Google it, uh, CompTIA Stanger blog. And I do a lot of uh, uh, do a lot of work there too. That's another way that I that we scale pretty well at CompTIA. Uh, you know, writing blog uh, posts based, based on the conversations that I have with pros. Really weird. I just bought a Twitter name at James Stanger. I, it, Unrelated, I'm pretty sure though, right? Who knew it say a thousand bucks, right? I'll yeah, it was a thousand dollars. I got two grand back and a Twitter handle. <laughs> wow, congratulations! It does work. Yeah, I knew it. I knew they it. They said the be. economy was stagnant, <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm about to wreak havoc with your public image. <laughs> uh, he loves Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Like from now on, just call me the Stang. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> if you see me, it's like Sting, but just Stang. Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine it's calls a friend of mine uh, calls me the Stangulator, which is I don't want to think about. That. <laughs> that's, that's worse. Like, like what, what am I, a '70s Ripper? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have brought that up in a public forum. <laughs> yeah. you don't need any help from me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ruining your own image. All right, perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, James, for uh, for taking the time. I mean, I feel less special now knowing that you'll wake up in the middle of the night for for other people. But uh, you know, we're coming <laughs> during business hours. But uh, but thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Anytime, man. All right, and we'll hopefully see you again uh, soon next time uh, you're down here recording some content when when things get all better. But uh, we're gonna take a quick break. But we've got more Technado coming up right after this. So stay tuned. An IT team that's upskilled and ready for any challenge. How do you get there? Join thousands of other IT leaders and let IT Pro TV be your resource. With more than 4,000 hours of IT training, IT Pro TV gives your team a resource to go to. 
The most popular vendors, CompTIA, Microsoft, Cisco, Linux, Apple, AWS, and more. The hottest tech, cloud, security, networking, and more. What's next for your organization? Whether it's an implementation, cloud migration, more workstation support, or new technology, you're covered. With IT Pro TV, you can rest easy. Your team will always be ready. It's binge-worthy learning for IT pros. Get a free trial for your team today. Visit www.itpro.tv business. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Tom Pazette, and thank you so much to Dr. James Stanger for joining us there and uh, letting us know what's going on and giving his take on the, the entire Twitter issue there. But uh, we've got some more news to get to, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Our first article uh, is actually from uh, Cloud, Cloudflare's blog at blog.cloudflare.com. Uh, Cloudflare outage on July 17, 2020. Great headline there from them. Um, but basically, <laughs> they had a they had an issue and, and infected a lot of people, right? I mean, yes. you can see how far their tentacles stretch. Yes, Justin. You know, you know what I love about this title? What's that? I know exactly what the article's about. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Story. sensationalized. It's just good. there's an outage, and it's, it happened this day. It's clickbait. <laughs> yeah, it's clickbait. <laughs> and you click on it, and it's actually about new figurines yeah. being displayed at Pottery Barn. Or Amber Heard hit a Cloudflare server, and it went down. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what happened? All right. I know this is a sidetrack. I've seen some of those headlines. Who the hell is Amber Heard? She's an actress. Johnny Depp's beat up Johnny Depp. Yeah, the, he, she accused him of domestic violence. And he accused her back. Yeah. All right. So it's a lot of Who fun. the hell is Well, there we go. So uh, so Cloudflare, uh, this has actually been a great week for full disclosure, uh, you know, because Twitter has been giving out a lot of information about their issue, and Cloudflare did the same, and apparently Amber Heard is also. So, um, But in the case of Cloudflare, they had an outage. The outage was less than 30 minutes, so it wasn't that long, but it was a near-total outage, and it gave us a chance to see how many networks are protected by Cloudflare because you started seeing sites go offline all across the Internet. Uh, some sites that... Uh, were a little ironic, like uh, the Down Detector website, <laughs> which apparently had a lot of their stuff behind Cloudflare. They went down, so now we need a Down Detector detector. Uh, Tumblr <laughs> went offline, which I think accounts for like 40% of the porn downloads on the planet. <laughs> so, <laughs> Does Tumblr still exist? I thought they outlawed porn on Tumblr. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. They didn't I mean. outlaw Tumblr. No, I know they didn't outlaw Tumblr, <laughs> but like, that would ruin like most model. of the uses John Tumblr was <laughs> you for thought pornography. Removing the cornerstone from that. <laughs> yeah, you like the rest of So if you just kick the side out this building, building's still there. Yeah, you're probably right. So, uh, so they did say what happened, right? Uh, this wasn't a hack. They were actually doing some routine maintenance, and they have a massive network with POPs or point of presences all over the globe. And so as they were doing work in one area, they rerouted traffic. And the plan was to reroute a portion of that traffic through Atlanta, but the rule they wrote had a mistake in it, which resulted in all of their traffic being routed through Atlanta. Now, Cloudflare frequently talks about how they can move over six terabits of data per second through their network, they can do that, but not entirely through Atlanta, which is what caused their environment to go down. They recognized it pretty quick and fixed it. The total outage was 27 minutes. So the world did not end. People didn't go insane. But it gave us one of those brief moments of visibility where you see how important a service Cloudflare is. That was almost as bad of an outage as Johnny Depp had when Amber Heard threw a right <laughs> <laughs> Just for 27 minutes. So when I, when I saw it was a bad configuration, for some reason... I, so when we did the Iron Tech thing and you were like, deploy a LAMP or a PHP application, and I was like, I'm going with Nginx because I know it. And then I forgot everything I know about it. <laughs> because it was under, if somebody was like, bro, you took down all the internet, fix it. Who am I? What is my name? I work here? Uh-oh. Responding under pressure is a challenging thing, and that's where like reboots come in really handy because it gives you a minute to breathe and think while you're waiting on something to reboot. While you're generating your uh, resume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that printer still What's work? the closest printer? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I looked it up, and uh, Amber Heard was in Aquaman. Uh, she was in... Uh, Some movie with Nick Cage, wasn't she? That's, I think that's where I saw it. Magic Mike X XXL. But uh, what <laughs> Don you know probably from. know her from... Is Magic, um, like she was in Zombieland? She was 406, the girl that lived across the oh, hall. Oh, that's right. Oh, all right. I do remember 406. Ah, uh, yeah. All right. That, then. that is Amber Heard. But uh, now we know. Cloudflare is and knowing is half the battle. Her never back down fame. 
All right. From ZDNet.com, uh, Google disables Windows 10 RAM reduction in Chrome. The cost to CPU performance of a Windows 10 memory-saving feature is too great to keep, says Chromium developers. And this is something I think we talked about just a few weeks ago about uh, it was Windows that found a way to reduce the amount of RAM that, that Chrome was using, but yeah. they're saying they need it now. You know, I, I think most of us here on the show use Google Chrome pretty regular, and as a browser, even if you open it to like a, a blank tab with no other tabs open, it will consume a ton of memory. I, I think the lowest I've ever seen mine have is about a gig of RAM, and it'll creep up four or five gigs sometimes, an insane amount of RAM for just a web browser. So Microsoft then introduced a new feature in the Windows API to try and help with that, to relieve some of it, and they, they found where they were getting like a 25, 26% reduction in RAM, which... In my opinion, isn't that great, but at least it was better than nothing. Well, Google went to implement it, and now Google's saying, no, no, we're not going to do that. And what they found was there was a bit of a trade-off that while, yes, they were able to reduce the amount of RAM, it was in exchange for consuming more CPU power. So now your system is bogging down on the CPU side, which actually creates a little more power draw. And so they had to choose, and they chose to consume extra memory instead. Now, personally... I usually have a lot of extra CPU cycles laying around. You know, my CPU is barely taxed, so I I would have gone the other way on that one. But I think Google is trying to plan for the most common denominator. Well, my my question is, it says in the article, it it says uh, Chromium engineers have decided to turn that feature off by default in Chrome 85. Does that mean that you could turn it back on, or developers can somehow? I guess because it's open source, right? It's hard to say right now because it's all pushed out to like version 83, which doesn't come out for another month or something, or actually 85. Yeah, 85 yeah. is what this is. Yeah. The, the um, it, when There were times when I was doing some scientific computing, that was always the trade-off. Like, okay, well, I can have this run with lower RAM, but I'm going to have to churn CPU cycles or sometimes uh, like input-output, like disk reads. Here's the thing. You say 25% is not a lot. So I wonder if this has impact on Electron apps, which are based on that. Because there's times where I close Electron apps and they're like, my computer will go, recovered 8 gigabytes of RAM. At which point, 25% is 2 gigabytes of RAM. So I'm, I would probably go with giving up some CPU for RAM savings because there are times where I, I'm at like 89% or 93% because I have Chrome and Visual Studio Code open and they're just chewing through it. Yeah, I know a lot of these vendors are super focused on laptop battery life, so they don't want to consume extra CPU because it's going to drain the battery faster. But honestly, I, I don't need 10 hours of battery life on my laptop. Two or three hours is plenty for me because I'm typically plugged in. And I, even on a plane ride, I'm not going to get more than a handful of hours anyway. So I, I don't care about Chrome that. Chrome really on, on the plane, too. Well, I guess if you're... Maybe. Yeah. yeah. You're paying $1,000 for the Wi-Fi. I was going to say, do you think that like solid-state batteries is going to change that game at all? So... All right, let me ask you guys this, because it seems like every month I see an article, uh, you know, researchers at MIT find new battery technology that'll revolutionize, blah, blah, blah. And then a month later, they find a new technology every two months, and yet batteries haven't changed in 40 years. Well, they keep <laughs> so, abandoning that one because they find the new one, so, so they stop working on it. I can pr provide some insight on this. Um, when I was in grad school, like batteries and capacitors and stuff were a big play because in renewable energy resources, like... During the day, if you have solar panels, if you can't feed it back into the grid, you need to store it somewhere, otherwise it's wasted. So batteries. People are like, oh, look, this is this new battery technology. And you go, oh, well, that's awesome. When is that going to be available? Well, here's the thing. We can make it in a lab under these really great conditions, and it lasts for two minutes. <laughs> but then it's two minutes. It's amazing. So it's BS. And Well, I say that because I used to work on uh, light-emitting devices, OLED devices. And they were like, look, this has great power efficiency, but they don't last but a day. And so we had trouble with like getting them to last or being able to be manufactured on a large scale. Uh, so battery technology is kind of a weird thing. Honestly, right now, best bang for your buck still uh, lithium-ion based. <laughs> Here's this, two laptops. Here's this ultra-efficient <laughs> battery that uh, you know only needs to be charged once per year, but generates 15 tons in waste per year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you thought you had to change out your remote batteries a lot? Listen, if you ain't got at least six change-outs, you're not going to make it through a day. <laughs> yeah, we got this super new efficient battery. It lasts forever. It's and, made of baby seal eyes. And some of those battery technologies <laughs> that they describe are very what are called energy-dense. So a very small amount can hold a bunch of energy, but then they're non-rechargeable. So you can't run their 
Anyway, carry on. Y'all don't care about science. <laughs> Whatever. Science is dumb. <laughs> Even though science is the whole purpose we're here because of technology, but whatever. Carry on. What's the next article, Peter? I thought we were here to catch up on uh, Amber Heard. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's clubbing <laughs> baby seals with Johnny Depp's crutches. Justin wants to move on because there's a, there's a battery running his fan uh, in that room. There's not. It's plugged in. And the time is running out. Yeah, time's running out very quickly. <laughs> no, it's battery backup. We've got a storm going on. So, so if, if, it, if, the storm, if the power goes out, I'm not staying in this room. Because well, it's already 6,000 degrees in here. The I mean, that's with the fan and the air conditioning. You are staying in that room because uh, the magnetic lock. Yeah, magnetic. Oh, no, I ain't. Disengage. You know what I always wondered? So people get locked in rooms and I go, hey, but you're on the side with the hinge pins. Yeah. How are you locked in that room? And they're like, what do you mean? I was just like, like, just what's pop a hinge the pin? Yeah, well, okay, you deserve to be locked in a room. Yeah, you take the hinge pin off and you use it to pick the lock. <laughs> exactly. Well, what you do is you take the hinge pin out and you build a small furnace and you get an anvil and you hammer out okay. a lockpick set. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It really does. All right, our next article is from CNN.com. A court strikes down the EU-US data privacy pact, leaving companies in the lurch. So which... Which companies are in the lurch, the U.S. ones or the European ones? The U.S. ones. This one's a total oh. debacle. Uh, so, you know, we, when GDPR was passed, it was significantly more strict than anything that we have here in the United States. And in the United States, privacy protection has been left up to the states. And some states, like the state of California, have worked to be in line with GDPR. Uh, you could argue that California is practically an EU nation. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, but there's plenty of other states in the U.S. that haven't taken step one to protecting user privacy. So our, our laws are all over the place. And so to try and help with that, there was something called the EU private or EU US privacy shield that was created. It was a agreement between the the two organizations to be able to say, yes, we don't have a national law for this, but these companies will adhere to GDPR's regulations and that way European user data will be protected here in the United States. So this was kind of a stopgap for companies. Well now a EU court has strucken or stricken down that agreement. So it's no longer valid. And so now there is no agreement, which means that technically PII, personally identifiable information for European Union citizens, is not allowed to be transported to the United States because the privacy guarantees and controls are not there. And the only thing stopping this from being a total disaster is that they did leave one clause in place, which is the one that says companies are allowed to enter into contracts and the contracts can state the terms of privacy protections. And so that's what's stopping. So, for example, like IT Pro TV has a number of customers in, in Europe. And they can continue to do business with those customers because they have a contract that says, yes, we'll protect the data. Here's how we're going to protect it. Here's all the different things that we do on an individual contract basis. That's still okay. But this big umbrella thing, the EU-US Privacy Shield, that you used to just be able to be a member of, now that, that's gone. You've, you've really got to do contractual protections. So what I'm hearing is there's a lot more paperwork. Yes, that is absolutely accurate. Oh, man, that sucks. Yep. Well... I don't want to be any part of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and neither does the end user. So really, at that point, it means that privacy protections are going to go by the wayside. People just aren't going to care. I just assume that everything's the Wild West out there when it comes to privacy. So I just try not to put anything personal out there as much as I possibly can. Yeah. And if I, it is personal, I make sure that my face and any identifying marks are not part of the picture. That's right. I put my Juggalo makeup on. Yeah. So <laughs> facial recognition can't figure me out. I cover all my tattoos. I definitely this wouldn't appear podcast. on a podcast yeah, and use right. my real name. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> but it's not my personal stuff. It's just talking. Did you know the uh, the <laughs> judge in this case uh, was Amber Heard? Oh, I thought you were going to say oh, Winona Judd. Yeah. Uh, Amber Heard was hitting Winona Judd with Johnny Depp. <laughs> Just swinging him like a Louis <laughs> unplugged. I think we were talking about Winona Judd off the air. We were. Oh, yeah. No. That callback doesn't work. Uh, that's for us. Yeah, it works for that us. Was for, yeah, that's, that joke's for us, people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got to get our giggles somehow. Give us some time. Yeah. All right. She puts the wino in Winona. <laughs> There you go. All right, uh, let's move on now to our next article from Comparatech.com. Uh, Zero Logs VPN exposes millions of logs, including user passwords, and claims data is anonymous. Uh, UFO VPN exposed millions of log files with, uh, about users of its service, including their accounts and IP addresses, despite claiming it keeps no logs. 
So that's that's the one big thing that got me from this article is that no, we don't keep any logs. Oh, by the way, our our, our logs. And, logs. And what's crazy is not only do they keep logs, they keep logs in Elasticsearch. So it's like a highly searchable version of logs. So, <laughs> oops. uh, oopsie daisy indeed. Yeah. So this, uh, this provider UFO, they're based out of Hong Kong, which has been in the news quite a bit since the Chinese security laws kicked in place. So that means that users in Hong Kong are more concerned about privacy than ever before. Their service, I guess in their defense, was marketed as a way for you to be able to get access to Netflix <clears throat> and other regionally blocked services. So, I mean, I guess you could say we're not solving a human rights dilemma here by gaining access <laughs> to Netflix. But they did claim, like many VPN providers, that they do not maintain logs. And then a security reacher stumbled across a exposed database, a database that had no password, that stored usernames and passwords in plain text, that stored browsing history, session data, IP addresses, all sorts of information. So, one, the data is absolutely not anonymous. Two, they absolutely maintain logs. And three, they are negligent enough that they expose this stuff to the public. Uh, and they mentioned that you know they had a, a change in employees, and so their firewall rules weren't updated. They took the database offline, and like two days later, the security researcher found it posted in a different place, which meant they just like swapped the IP, and so it was still exposed. And it just goes to show that when you buy like a VPN service or something that makes a claim that they're log-free, you're putting a lot of trust in them. And oftentimes you have no idea who these people are. And if you're only paying $40 a year, don't expect some company to fight against a government for you for 40 bucks a year. That's not going to happen. <laughs> well, they're making the rest of the money um, selling your data, right? Yeah. I assume. I imagine. Oh, actually, they did say that was one of the things. Uh, they have a free service. Oh, I was being sarcastic. And if you use the free <laughs> service, they were injecting ads into web pages and so on as you were browsing the internet. So, you know, they, they did have several different revenue models. And I did see um, that there was a separate report then afterwards uh, by VPN Mentor that found six more VPN services um, that were uh, doing basically the same thing. Um, yeah, Rabbit VPN, Fast VPN. Flash VPN, Free VPN, which yeah, you get what you pay for, uh, Super VPN, and Secure VPN, which also oh, they're connected by a common developer, so that's yeah, yeah. I think you know the way you need to look at this stuff right now is that public VPN services like these, they're okay if you're just trying to get access to Netflix, but if you're trying to work out some kind of global insurrection or overcome an evil empire, they're not enough to protect your information. That's when you use Pornhub's VPN, I believe. Yeah, yeah, one of the best. Yeah, because they're they're a real <laughs> reputable set of oh, individuals. Yeah. Does Pornhub have a VPN? Yes. Yeah, so oh, they really did? reported that a couple. Uh, oh, I'm not going to search that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought so, we reported well, that. Hey, while you're searching that, can you also double check the spelling of bestiality? Like <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, I looked through some of those logs and found uh, that Amber Amber Heard's search history included how to hit your geriatric husband. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, proper, proper grip for a baseball bat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You choke up. <laughs> this was uh, 2018. Pornhub launched VPN Hub, a VPN service with free unlimited bandwidth. Hmm. Well, I, huh. I mean, when you're streaming the, video, I guess you got to have some good bandwidth. <laughs> All right. S snuff films don't stream themselves. Moving on. Moving on. I don't know what it is. Get the mic. Smooth the mic. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go over to our next article here, which is from. ZDNet.com. Cloud provider stopped ransomware attack, but had to pay the ransom demand anyway. Uh, Blackbaud said it had to pay a ransom demand to ensure hackers would delete data they stole from its network. But, I mean, how, how are you even confirming that? Because you, half the time people pay ransoms and don't get their data back. Yeah. So how do you confirm that, well, we're going to pay so, you so you can delete that? The headline's a little misleading. They didn't have to do anything. They just chose to. Uh, so what happened was there was a ransomware attack. They actually did have IT infrastructure in place. They had backups. And so they were able to, once they realized they were under attack, they were able to recover their systems without paying the ransom. The problem was this particular ransomware, not only was it encrypting machines, but it was exfiltrating data out. Mm. And so once they had kicked the attackers out, cleaned their machines, restored their services, the attackers said, hey, we have your data and we're going to leak it online unless you pay us. And so they ended up having to pay a ransom. But I don't, I don't like saying they had to pay the ransom because 
again, this comes down to trust. You're trusting that this group of hackers that just illegally compromised your network and stole your data, that they're going to delete the data and not post it somewhere else? That's, that's ridiculous. That's just the cost of doing business, Don. That's yeah. how it works now. That's, that's also, that's, that's like the hacker's code of ethics, right? <laughs> yeah. Listen, I can break all the laws I want to, getting to a position where I can strong-arm somebody into giving me money. But if they give me money, I gotta play by the rules. <laughs> now, I I do believe that a lot of criminals do have a bit of a, a code of behavior, right? Like a the what is it, uh, honor among thieves type thing. Yeah. But I think that is really dependent on whether your fellow conspirators can stab you or not, right? Yes. But when you're online and you're anonymous, then you'll take that ransom money and then still turn around and sell the database because now you can just double your revenues, right? Why, why not? Like they, it, it makes absolutely no sense to pay the ransom, uh, especially if you were able to recover your systems. They they are not any safer today for having done it. The The scary part is that BlackBot, if you're not familiar with them, is a company that specializes in software for schools. So they do a lot of stuff for K-12 through uh, institutions, for teachers delivering lessons and so on, and they haven't disclosed what information it is that was taken. So we don't really know, like, was this information on kids, uh, no, which it no. very well could be. Uh, Don, I'm, I'm just trying to think of it from all the angles here. If they say, you know, if I pay the ransom, you could still expose the data. Okay. But is it kind of like that idea where if they don't pay the ransom and something gets leaked and it's very sensitive and that leads to maybe something else, they're culpable? Oh, they're just is that, is reducing that their liability maybe? Right. By it's doing like that? a through, I mean, it's probably going to be a payout from insurance anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't, like the company, Blackbot in this case, they can't be held liable for something the hackers do with the data. Okay. They can be liable for being negligent and letting the hackers in, but not, you know, like if somebody breaks into your house and steals a gun and then they go and murder somebody else with it, like you could be held negligible for not securing your firearm, but you wouldn't be like guilty of murder. So that's that's an extreme analogy, I guess. Well, I'm swinging for the fences here. Apparently, this has never happened to me because, again, this is, they're like, well, Justin, you didn't have it locked down and cemented in concrete. Yeah. You're, you're going Absolutely. to prison. Yeah, welcome to prison. Yeah. Yeah. And, I should uh, point out at this point that we are not lawyers. And uh, none of this advice is binding. It's not advice. Anyway. It's speculation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, none of this wild speculation. Uh, cyber insurance, if your company doesn't have it or you know your organization, it is something that uh, insurance companies have latched onto. It is very beneficial. You certainly want to research into it. No matter how great, like what we've learned from Twitter, no matter how great your security posture is, there's creative ways that attackers get into a network, and cyber insurance is how you protect from that. Well, and just some more speculation on the, on this topic. Maybe the fact that they had a breach, they knew that their uh, cyber insurance was going to go up anyway, because if they have to report that, maybe the insurance company says, hey, you're, you're not doing everything you need to do, so we're going to increase your premium. So, hey, they're going to pay the ransom anyway, so why not just let them pay the ransom too, just to, you know... Yeah. Hedge our bets. And I, I do want to echo what Peter said. We're not lawyers, but however, if you do claim that you took legal advice from us, <laughs> we're just going to play the previous part of this podcast, yeah. and no one's going to go, why did you take the You took <laughs> good advice from them. We'll, we'll, an we'll play appeal. what happened in between the break. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. <laughs> yeah. you, you just won your appeal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These guys said, oh, oh, there's your problem right there. All right, well, uh, if you want to have some more fun uh, tomorrow, uh, if so, if you're watching this the day this comes out on, on Thursday, uh, tomorrow, Justin will be hosting a CompTIA version of Spin It to Win It. Uh, Justin, you all ready and excited for that? Peter, I'm going to stop you right there. I thought it was next week. Is it? It's the 31st. Dang it. What day is it? <laughs> it's the 21st. <laughs> hey, uh, on the, the 31st... <laughs> I think it's the 31st. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, you know, we should really reach out to somebody in marketing. Yeah. Who might so how do I know more about marketing than Peter? <laughs> because you're on that show. So. I don't care. I didn't know I was on it until the last week. Look, my boss, who listens to this, and will call me out on this, wrote me like two weeks ago saying, hey, make sure you tell them that, that Spin It to Win It's this week. So, well, then yeah, it's all her I'm gonna go yeah. we're going to need to see that. That <laughs> I'll find. You're gonna have, I'm going to fill out paperwork to get that in triplicate to see that you can actually. Yeah, I've got it. the carbon copy of it right yeah. here. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, that's the 31st. So you can head over still to IT Pro TV, sign up for a free account, and you can watch all the fun there. Actually, our guest last week, um, who we mentioned, is, is going to be on. Uh, 
uh, as one of the contestants, and I think we've got a couple other uh, members that are contestants as well. So uh, that one's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, also, we've got some webinars coming up. Now, this one is happening the same day that this podcast comes out, which is Thursday, July 23rd, with Daniel Lowry talking about how to secure your future with CompTIA certs, a guide to CompTIA certifications, um, their security uh, certification specifically, and that is Thursday, July 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 Pacific time. Um, you're also going to be doing a little bit of uh, live hacking um, uh, from the pen test um, cert, right? Yes, it's that called Pentest Plus. Thank you. <laughs> it's going to be a test. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Peter's having trouble with words. Yeah. And dates. I'm still just trying to figure out where I am and what time it is. In his, in his defense, he got hammered oh. by Amber Heard. She nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was walking along, minding his own business. Pow! Right there. Yeah, right the there. I thought I had a concussion, jumping. so I've been up for like 36 hours. <laughs> yeah, we've been hitting sleep. him with some smelling salts. He finally roused up, and we were like, yeah. podcast time. Yeah, so... I tried to take her dog from her, and she got all mad. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, while you're on that Internet, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado. There you can get a coupon code for 30% off your membership, uh, also a seven-day free trial, and you can request a uh, demo for your team. Uh, so if you've got a, a group, you can find out all the cool features that are available to you there. That's over at go.itpro.tv slash technado. All right, guys. We got, we got through that one. I, I got worried a little bit there. I, I'm, I was never worried. No, no doubts? No. I, the one thing I'm worried about is we're going to pick the wrong person <laughs> to have a running set of jokes about. Yeah. And then and then uh, I guess that'll be the last Technado. <laughs> it was fun, guys. Think about the ratings, though. I yeah. know, right? Posthumously, our but, podcast ratings go through the roof. But, but then I think Cage about all of the crazy, <laughs> more or less lies that people tell and present them as truth. <laughs> Well, that's why we're socially distancing now, so no one that's can right. take us out at once. Like, yes, we're not right. allowed to fly together anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or be in the same car. We're the same city as Amber Heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, the, that's my restraining order, hit, and that's my fault. She hit Peter, and I was scared for his life. Yeah. yeah. Crushed his ocular cavity. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's yep. not true. I, I have titanium. <laughs> yeah. See, this is what I'm talking about. We're presenting this as truth, like many other people do. And well, I think aspects of that statement were true. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, not like Peter has an ocular socket, which is, is a true right. thing. It was crushed. It has been shattered. <laughs> there is a person called Amber Heard. Yeah. 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 And I believe it's, that's all oh, the facts man. we said. You know what? We have just made a good statement for not having oh, friends. I'm, I I'm being told by our lawyers that we are wrapping up this episode. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and say uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you to Dr. Stanger, uh, who was, I'm sure, distancing himself from this uh, podcast as we speak. And uh, thanks, all of you, for watching. We'll see you next week on Technado with Don Pizzette.